around the world and thank you for joining us once again on truth to you.org that's truth number two letter you.org it's season two of Torah Pearls I'm Jono and joining me in the virtual truth to you studio all the way from Ireland is Jason of spiritualbabies.net g'day mate g'day still alive we're still here we made it how about that do you know it didn't even enter my mind until today uh, because of course you know you don't dwell about on these things on Yom Kippur no. but it wasn't in this, until today halfway through the day and I thought hey big rock didn't fall out of the sky and squash us how about that oh, I know we survived so we survived and as we promised the listeners if we weren't squashed by a big giant meteorite or whatever it was we would continue on with the Torah Pearls and here we are promise fulfilled okay and in Indonesia is the author of Let's Get Biblical Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah Volumes 1 and 2 you can get a copy from his website outreachjudaism.org that's outreachjudaism.org welcome back to the program Rabbi Tobias Singer thank you very much and that's why I'm in Indonesia many people I know ask why what is doing in Indonesia I heard there's a rock coming I said let me get the heck out of here and go somewhere else there's no rocks for that's exactly just a volcano that's that's why you weren't there last week and that's what I told everyone you just grabbed a couple of tanks and you'd gone to the bottom of the ocean and and thought you'd just wait until it was all over but you didn't have to do that the rock didn't fall out of the sky although I did read Jason I read uh, back on on Facebook and the next thing that's circulating, I think, uh, is a blood moon on the 28th. What is that? About four days. And apparently, I don't know what happens with the blood moons. And they come and everyone dies somehow. And then Jesus comes again. Is that the way it goes? Oh, man. I know that um, there's a couple of people. Um, I don't want to say any names, but there's a couple of Messianic people who are feeding this um, they love it. issue. and oh. But we they love it. They do. They do. We talked about it last week. Let's not dwell on that again yep, this sure. week Let's because this is a huge Torah portion. It's so so huge that we have to jump right into it. Otherwise, it's going to go on forever. We are in Ha'azinu. This one begins one of electricity. Now, did you get? We'll run out of electricity. Did you get the memo by the way, Tobia, about you and Jason doing a two-part harmony on the Song of Moses? I, you know, I missed that memo. It got because uh, you were at the bottom of the ocean. Well, okay, maybe we won't do that. Maybe I'll just read it and. Maybe Maybe we'll do that next time. But uh, but there is a tune to it, right? There is actually, there are notes. Can you tell us about that before we even begin? Well, the, the, the actually are notes all over the, all over the Torah. Mm-hmm. In fact, all over Tanakh, it all has the, what's called the trap, the cantillation. Mm-hmm. The reason this is called a shira, this is called a song that Moses is writing, and where we are told this in the, at the end of uh, the previous portion of Vayishlach, uh, that mm-hmm. God wants it to be a song because what we're about to encounter is not a monolithic note. Like an example would be, you know, the Ten Commandments. It's monolithic. You have commandments. But what we have is actually sounds and harmonies and different sounds, highs and, and lows, and the the breakup of each passage actually bounces off of each other. So that's the sounds, that's why this is called a song. And the other part we know is that, uh, you know, I remember as a young youngster when I went to sleepaway camp, which was the high for me. It wasn't mm-hmm. going to school. I learned the most in sleepaway camp. And for those two months during the summer, uh, we would, you know, sing all these Jewish songs because, unlike in school, in camp you're together all Shabbat. So we would learn all these great songs, which contain epic passages of scripture, and those verses that came that were part of the songs that we sang mm-hmm. 
I never forgot. And therefore, this music, which incidentally evolutionary biologists uh, uh, concede, cannot be explained if you take God out of the picture. There's no explanation of why people enjoy music. None at all. They don't know why. But the music, what it does is it sears the, the words in our hearts and our minds to be a testimony to the Jewish people. So that, and that's what comes into view at the end of the Parsha Vayishlach, which really introduces this, because here we are in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy 32, but we've just come off of where God is, tells Moses to write this song, and it will be a witness to the witness. Jewish people. Hmm. And, it's a, and it's really, of course, there are going to be, we're going to encounter the two witnesses, we've, the, the witness of heaven and earth. We'll talk about that in hmm. a moment. Now, so but, that's the music. But the, that just to explain, there is a cantillation to all the Torah. The, it was part of the oral tradition of what music went where, how it was formed, hmm. and then it was put into the Mesoretic text. So let me just ask this question. Does the, the, the cantillation and the way that this is set out in the Hebrew, does it make it easier to, to, um, to learn by rote? Uh, it's interesting because this was my bar mitzvah portion. when I, uh-huh. This was it. So I, this portion was, uh, I, remembering the music is easy because it is broken down. In fact, in a Torah scroll, it's actually split in half. And one, you'll see as one passage, I don't know if you have a Hebrew text, you'll see it. The part A and part B bounce mm. against each other. By the way, this is the last really Torah portion of the year that comes out on Shabbos because the Vizos Abrach will come out on Simchas Torah at the end of the Sukkot Hal, at the end of the uh, Sukkot Hal. Mm-hmm. I want to just share one short anecdote that really will help people understand this portion as in the portions prior because this in some ways has in it the qualities or the theme, but in his song, as we've just been this through Deuteronomy 28-28. I was born 15 years after the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So, growing up in the 1960s, there were survivors around me. Mm -hmm. It was was people with numbers on their arms. I was a a normal. And it was interesting that I met two kinds of people who were survivors. Some of them lost their faith completely and just wanted nothing to do with, uh, with God. And they said, how could God do this? And, you know, how can I believe in God after what I've seen? Mm-hmm. And then what's very, what was very powerful is I encountered so many survivors who became more deeply religious, or it's the, the experience of, of being in the death camps and seeing things that I can't even imagine, in a sense, confirmed everything. And I, and I wondered, how is it that uh, you have two people in the same exact uh, place experiencing the same thing, and they each draw a completely different conclusion. One says, there's no God, because how could such a thing happen? And the other one says, now I know there's a God. Mm. And the answer became crystallized for me as I was growing up. That is that if you read these portions that we are now, and it's going to come here, it's going to be really hot. The heat, there's a lot of heat here, and the heat in this music, in this song, 
But the key is, if, if we would have had a Jewish history that basically were like the people of, who live in the Bahamas that never had a problem in their lives, I would then question my faith. It really is the unimaginable persecution mm. that unrelenting in every generation. So if you are familiar, if you know the song then what you see in the Holocaust didn't shake your faith, it confirmed it. Because mm. there are, does Judaism have mysteries? Yes. But there can't be contradictions. And what we have encountered in the last few Torah portions is certainly shakes us to our core, but it also, it co comports, matches perfectly with Jewish history. And that's what Moses is laying forth in the song. And that is the history that had not yet occurred. It's, yet it's occurred. really marvelous. And we I guess that the, little introduction. So there we, and, yeah. and at this point in history, we have the, uh, yeah. uh, the benefit of looking back. It begins like this, um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on tender herbs and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of yud heh vav -Heh, ascribe greatness to our God. Jason. I just um, want to jump in real quick. I know um, Toby is probably going to have a lot of just about the heaven and earth part, but we've got this um, issue here with it, not an issue, but we've got this thing here with um, these two witnesses. He calls heaven and earth as witnesses. And then interestingly, in the next verse, I have um, my lesson. My lesson shall drop like rain. Saying my saying shall flow like the dew, like a downpour on the earth, like a shower in the grass. Now we've got v various different translations for those different elements of um, water in the atmosphere. Sometimes um, showers. Um, snow, sometimes it's heavy rain, sometimes the downpour is a mist, um, the drop can be um, hitting the back of the neck or on target or gathered together, but the, the point is that heaven and earth are responsible for uh, giving, really, the, the tools um, to Israel for survival or for eradication. These are going to be the, the tools that God will use to reward or punish Israel in that the, the rains for the harvest will come or not come from the heaven, and the fruit that they use to survive will come or not come from the earth. Now, the, there's always an allusion to Torah in the text um, with water. Whenever we read water, especially in the Torah, we can um, pull something from that, that there's a teaching there about the, the Torah, and, and um, this is no different. And I love that there are different types of um, water here, depending on your state as um, someone that follows the Torah. So it says, God says that his lessons will drop like rain. Mm. And who are they dropping on? Um, they're dropping on the herbs and on the grass and on the world in general. Now, I would probably say I'm moss, right? If I was going to picture myself as, the, as, um, as a, a, a plant, I'm a pretty new plant to this. I'm, I'm not a, a piece of um, tall grass that needs hard rain. And I'm not a herb that needs very delicate rain. I'm more a kind of person that would need the dew. And I like this um, verse because it's God's offering. He's saying that the Torah comes in lots of different ways, ah. depending on who you are and what you need. I really love that. I just that thought is, we'd start off with that. It's a nice scene. That's intro. really beautiful, Jason. That is. That's, that's very Thank beautiful. That. These, this is clearly echoed. The many passages here are, are echoed right, out of, right in the book of Isaiah. And there are, we see this exact parallel of what Jason is talking about. Wow. Where, 
where Hashem says in, in Isaiah 55 verse 10, for just as the rain and the snow come from heaven and do not return to heaven before it waters the earth and, and makes, it, makes the land sprout and gives to the sower bread for those to eat, so shall my word, uh, which comes out of my mouth, will not come back empty without accomplishing everything that I wish. And that's exactly what Jason says, exactly right. So you, you have the heaven. That's why it's a little yummy here. If, if you want to, I want to uh, provoke you to jealousy. So that's why you see, if you notice, Hazinu Hashemayim Vadabera, if I may, just the Hebrew for a moment, because it really is important. So Hazinu Hashemayim is give for, give an ear, a give ear, O heavens. It's a command. The heavens give ear, the Sishma Ormeretz Imrefi, and let the land, uh, um, hear the, uh, words of my mouth. And that's in the passive sense. So you see there's a giver. The heaven, like Jason said, the heavens come down. And as Jason said, it's beautiful. that the rain, It comes down in different ways. Isaiah also used rain and snow. No matter how it's coming down for different people, it's going to affect them. God, after all, is the great shepherd. And we see this kind of theme in Ezekiel 34. So, But you see, Jason is saying, is actually in the grammar of the verse. There's a command for the heaven to give forth, to listen, to have... Ozen is an ear, which means give ear, which means listen. It's a very direct command. The sishma earth, it's in the passive, and let the earth um, uh, hear the words of my voice, which is in the passive. That's ex- mm-hmm. exactly why the Torah, because, exactly because of what Jason's saying. But as also Jason said, the, the heaven and the earth, as we have seen, are also used as God's punishment Mida connected Mida, which means the heavens could uh, could dry up, the land therefore mm. will not receive, and and so on. That's the punishment of Israel. And the key is that the heavens and the earth are witnesses, and that's why this all is so. And I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Deuteronomy thirty. This is all mm. over. This is Isaiah Isaiah chapter one verse two. My gosh, this is all over mm. scripture. This uh, this is very beautiful. So the, 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 this is uh, the first movement, if you like. It continues in verse four. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. There's one thing, keep in mind, that you have here in this one verse. Remember, the name of God is called out. We have in this verse, we have six mm. names of God, incidentally. That means we have we have a very unique, this language here is very, very special. There's some unprecedented ver- words that are used here. But go ahead, I apologize. But here we That's have right. actually six names of God, which means we have here we have that god is is perfect he is our he is our rock he is justice and uh he is uh without iniquity he is righteousness i mean these are all the names and he is and he is fair in everything he does and that leads us to really if he's so fair and he's so just how did we get into so much trouble you, i mean what's happening here is this is an a, a spiritual astral projection of jewish history in the future and mm. that's how those would write that's how beautiful the um uh, the first the first movement is but it changes tone very much in the second and that is from verse five jason what does it say it says that destruction is his children's fault or you might read that um is corruption his no his children is the blemish yes. which uh, good good uh, 
Right. Right. So, um, and the, um, what well, this is pointing to, and it's interesting because this often comes up. I'm very fond of um, posting the verse that says that um, that the Lord God um, creates um, life and death and good and evil. And often, we'll, there'll be a rebuke come from some quarter saying, "Well, how can God be the creator of evil if everything He does is righteous?" But we're then projecting onto God what our idea of righteousness is. If God decides to wipe out an entire people, that's his choice. We don't get to to lay our we don't get to lay our opinions and our judgments onto God and paint him in that color. Um, and in the in the, in the other way, the other way that works is that we don't then get to say that what we've done or what a people have done is somehow a reflection on what God says is right or wrong. And that's what's happening here. Is um, the the people are kind of saying um, that their their corruption, that the, the things, the bad things which are going to happen because of their actions, are somehow God's fault because he's the judge so why didn't he let them off or why didn't he give them better instruction mm. but he gave them perfect instruction as i mean he's called the rock nine times in this what, what, what is what is this echo jason i mean what is this echo the a passage in the bible where god kept his end of the covenant but we broke our end of the covenant there's an exact parallel of this jeremiah 31 that god took us out of sure. egypt he was a husband to us he was straight but we broke our end that's why the tra- i mean that's a very parallel there like shiches loy is god you know it is god corrupt loy there's by the way two words that sound the same homonyms shiches loy is he corrupt low he's not corrupt bon of mumam the blemishes in his children they're the ones who messed up god was just he gave them blessing and 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 everything he told them what life is what death is good and evil and they chose the wrong direction mm. Mm. So, so it continues in verse 6. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who purchased you? Has he not made you and established you? Mm. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of I, many I, I, generations. Toby. I, I, yeah, no. It's just, am novo v'loi chacham. So novo, we know that word is um, is vile, banal. V'loi chacham, and not wise. You, you, you know, what you said, Jano, is is in earlier on is very powerful that it hit me very hard when you said in the beginning of the show that what would we have done if we were having the show 800 years ago mm. we we i mean the amount of faith our great 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 parents and they we have the benefit as you said that was perfect we have the benefit now we see this all happening mm. here we are of stupid people i was in gaza right at this time of the year just a little earlier uh 10 years ago in 2005 in august when we went and we gave away the land we acted like idiots like stupid idiots we saw the democrats in mm. jews in the united states voting to lift sanctions against Iran, which will pour billions of dollars into it. They're totally totally in rebellion, mm. acting like complete stupid idiots. There's no mm. other way to explain it. You give mm. Hamas... Uh, so it's, it's, you, I, and I, that's why I'm saying, you know, you know, John, it's, uh, we have the benefit of... But even so. Can, yeah, we can look back and say, wow, 
That's why, that's why when I read this and I look at the pain of Jewish history, nothing that we have endured, and I'm only saying this personally, injures my faith. It strengthens it. I'm going, this is exactly what would happen to us precisely. This is like, this is like Moses wrote this in, you know, two years ago. Mm. You know, mm. you know, Looking back, yeah. yeah. Right. Now, I love this. this uh, ask your father and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance, oh, now here's a verse, Tobia, oh my goodness, this is verse 8. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, when he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. Now, this is a really controversial verse. Can you tell us why? I don't think, I mean, I don't know it's controversial. Right, you, have, well, you have the 70 uh, souls that go down to Egypt, right. and, and that's where the nation is forged, uh, and you have the 70 nations of the world. And incidentally, Gagumagog is the gematria, the numerical gematria. It means each letter has a value. So Gagumagog, the nations that come to attack Israel, sure. is 70. So this is like... Yeah, sure. Like so fifth, I'm, I'm with you fifth, there, but Jason knows where I'm going. Jason. Well, I, I think I might know where you're going. All right, so um, there is, um, there's one understanding of this verse that says that God allotted each nation their portion, and that there were also, because, I mean, we look at the Torah, and from our perspective, we know that the Torah is a monotheistic book, but we also know that there were polytheistic people um, in the book, and that um, some, sometimes we read um, the understandings of this particular verse that speak about these nations having their own gods, the sons of El, right, these sons mm -hmm. of God, um, and that God takes Israel to be his people, but the other nations are under other gods. It's, um, that is that is, where you were going? Yeah, that's right. And it calls into question, uh, or some would call into question, Tobia, the Masoretic text, because the Masoretic text has sons of Israel. The uh, Septuagint, so-called, has angels of God, and uh, they have a, a, a parchment or a fragment, rather, from uh, Cave 4 at Qumran, uh, that claims to say sons of God. Now, it's a very, very small fragment, and uh, some may, may ask how do they even know that it's from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, but this is the uh, the debate that goes on. You you must be familiar well, with this. Well, yeah, of course. So first, it's vital that people understand that in Qumran, uh, you have a community that lasted, let's say, for 250 years, probably almost certainly the Essenes and by Josephus, they took text and then would add in um, commentary into the text. There's there are quite a few, not many, but quite a few examples. Here's one. Another one is Psalm 145, where they added in uh, line, uh, I believe, line 13. Another one is in First Samuel chapter 11, where they, in, in, where somebody, some scribe, added in a passage to explain a a blank moment. So we do have that in Qumran, and incidentally, it should be mentioned that in Qumran, the tactless scrolls, we only have one fragment for this, but many of the scrolls disagree with each other. I'm talking about those that are in Greek, mm -hmm. because these were commentaries. These were what's called a dynamic commentary, and that was a style at the time. Mm -hmm. It means, with, just so people get this, 
from the the style of let's say Rashi, uh, which is called the systematic commentary, where you have three words and then an explanation. So the 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 text is then separated from the commentary that was not the style of commentary two thousand years ago. Two thousand years ago, you did a dynamic translation. You you produced that means you translated it, but in, inserted words in order to bring out a certain point, and that's exactly what the targums are. The targums are not systematic, so that so therefore that. So therefore, that you know, that's that's a non-issue for us. It, it, it seems very obvious to me because when did the nations become separated? They became separated. When did, what happened? Genesis it's chapter not, eleven. Yes, and what did they do? They weren't worshiping idols. God didn't apportion them idols. Sure. What happened in Genesis eleven? They wanted to. If you ask most people, what did they do wrong? Most people actually are not certain because and it's not their fault. The te- it's the text says that they wanted to make a name for themselves following the flood. So God spread them out into 70 nations. And that's where we... So the parallelism there here is is exquisite. Mm. That means in the, the, the nations were divided up precisely after the flood, and the Jewish people, 70, to represent all the nations, were brought down to Egypt. Mm. There it is. Uh, verse 9, For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in the desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him, he instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. As an mm-hmm. eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreads out its wings and takes them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him and there was no foreign God with him. Right. Love that. And, yeah. And now, of course, this is, you know, as a Jew, your listeners go, oh, man, like Hashem did all this for us. And what did we do? We so frequently turned our back. And that's what's happening here. Mm. This is building up. This is like Lahavdal, God for me. This is like Beethoven's first movement mm. of the Ninth Symphony. This is a build-up, build-up, and empower. So mm. this is really torquing up the the uh, the kinetic energy because what did we do? God was was protecting us at every stage of the way. He was there with us there. And what did we do? We and that's gonna come over here. Mm. And so it says in verse thirteen, he made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds from the from the cattle and milk from the flocks with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats. There you go. And goats with the choicest wheat, and you drank wine, the blood of grapes. But Yeshurun, now, now before we continue, Tobia, Yeshurun. Yeshurun, this is the first time ever in the Bible that this name is used for the Jewish people. Yeshurun is actually the better Jews, and we're going to see that in the Isaiah servant song. That's why a lot of Isaiah is is being inspired to use this in the Isaiah. But Yeshurun, the word Yashar means the straight ones. Mm. So by ye- so actually, this is not talking about uh, I don't God knows Noam Shamsky, some idiot Jew. These are <laughs> the good Jews who really <laughs> went in the wrong direction, and and this no. is very interesting. This is very similar to Isaiah. I mean, this is like verses are just shooting all over Isaiah forty-two. Who is deaf? 
who is deaf or my servant yeah. who is blind or who said it. Mm. So the servant, Shurin, by the way, Shurin is used exactly who is called my servant. Here's the very first place in the Bible where 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 Israel is called Yeshurun, it's it's talking about the remnant mm. is I mean this is these are the good guys. These are the people right. who are the good people who are the straight ones. Vayivot, you know, Vayivot means he kicked. Vayivot is like um is there's many ways to say it, but Yivot is like a, like a horse or a, like right. or a cattle gives a kick, you know, back, you know, to injure whatever it's it's uh, it's annoyed by. That's what Vavivot means, kick back in rebellion. Um, yeah, just just to expand on that, um, it's it's kind of like um, so most people would have had uh, who had oxes used those oxes to pull plows, right? They were they were um, used to do work for the people, and I think the picture here, as Toby said, of cattle is an ox who's just been left to feed and it's become hugely fat. And then right. when you try to make the ox do his job, he's like, "I'm not going to do anything for you," so he strikes out. Um, it's it's really an example of a per- if, if a person has everything they want, they never know what they need. Mm. And when you try to give them what they need, they're going to strike out because they have everything they want. And um, we see this again and again through the prophets when the prophets tried to say to Israel, you know, you shouldn't be getting drunk, you shouldn't be going off to foreign gods. And they're mm. like, especially the northern kingdom, oh, we're doing so well, we've got everything we need, we have strong armies, we have food, you know, we don't need you, we this don't is, need our gods. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening here. And this is what we talked about uh, in last week's portion too, and this is from uh, just in last week's portion from verse 19 of Deuteronomy 31. Now therefore write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel and put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. And verse 20 says when i have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey which i swore to give their fathers and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat then they will turn to other gods and serve them and they will provoke me and break my covenant now what it says in verse 15 in our torah portion this week but yeshurun grew fat and kicked you grew fat you grew thick you are a beast is what i've got in my translation then he forsook god who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation yeah he had a good the jews had a good in germany they had a good different place when things came good they forgot about the god of israel they they went to their temples and so on but they forgot about the the message mm. and that that's exactly vahoyam shumoa the center paragraph of the three paragraphs we read twice a day uh, and that is Hishamlucha, be careful. Once you have the reins and you this is the same thing, and you know the the, the you have the reins and you, you your grass is growing, your animals are eating, everybody be careful, because then you're gonna turn away and worship mm-hmm. other gods. And that's exactly what we see here. This is not if. It, it is the the success, the financial success of Jews that turns them away. And I'll say this: I, I don't want you know the anti-Semites are a little right. I don't know about Australia and, and Ireland, but I, I, I those are two countries I haven't been to. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you go to South America. Central America, you see that the Jews are really are very, very wealthy and do very, very well. And then you see the slide, the spiritual slide of these communities, whether you're in Sao Paulo, in Costa Rica, in Panama, and so on. You see the slide, and it's very obvious in Mexico City. So God gives them blessing, and then they become very wealthy and fat, and then there's a kick and a turning away from faith. There it is. Uh, it says in verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign 
foreign gods with abominations, they uh, provoked him with anger, provoked him to anger. Now, verse 17, again, this is a very curious one. They sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your father did not fear. Now, Jason, there's there's a couple of things that come to mind when we get to the word. In fact, you know what? I think, and Tavia, maybe you can uh, confirm this. This is the first place in the Torah where, at least in my English translation, where the word demons is used, is the word sh- uh, what? The shadim. Shadim. Shad- yes. Shadim. Now, shadim. Now, in some... Uh, uh, how do I say uh, expressions of Judaism? There's very much a belief in in uh, in demons. In others, not so much. For me, I don't believe. I just do not believe. Well, the, that this text are actually says there aren't demons. Uh, let me break down. Actually, because let me, as I confessed, even if I was to translate, and I do uh, proofread number of translations for for publishing houses. But the text actually says here, Lashedim, they um, brought the sacrifices to Shedim, Loy Elohai, that don't have any power. They have nothing. They were nothing. Elohim Loyodum, they didn't know God. Now, you could see the parallelism that this is correct, that these are all fake, that they have no power, is the passages that follow, that they're really. They're they're powerless, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm going to bring upon you enemies. That's what's about to be, who really are don't even they're not a real nation. They're all fake nations. They have no realness, and they're going to be the ones who are going to oppress you. And you're going to be under something that really ordinarily mm. you shouldn't be. People ask, why did the Jews go silently? You see, three Germans with a I don't mean I, I look. I, I got to just use the imagery that I'm most familiar with. Mm. But, I think most people are like, why didn't you go so silently? Like, what happened? They have no power. Why, why did you come to the true rock that mm. is the true source of power? Those are fake rocks. They can't do anything to you. Mm. That's right. Can I just, um, just, just super quick? Yeah. Because I think this might be a lot down to, a lot to do with um, translation. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, you think that a head has got nothing to do with a tail until you hold a coin and you realize that they're both, you know, very close. And it's just the, the context of the word you had confused. Now, when I read, I've got two translations in front of me. Both of them are Jewish, by the way. So uh, one of these says that they sacrificed to demons who were non-gods, deities they never knew. These were new things recently arrived, which their fathers would never consider, right? That's the one I have. Mm -hmm. Now, if I remember their context that that they would never um, consider, and then I um, look at my other translation down here, it says that um, new gods which came up of late, which your fathers dreaded not. Now, if I take the context of the father's not considering it, and I apply that to dreaded not, um, then now I'm thinking that it's not that they knew them or that they didn't fear them. It's just that they didn't accept that they were actual real powers. So they what rejected your, them, right. What does your New King James one say again, Jono? So uh, in the New King James, I've got, they sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods, they did not know. But where it says to gods that they did not know, it's in italics, so it's not actually in the text. Right. Uh, when it, it says um, that their fathers would, what's that bit there? The next that, bit? that your fathers did not fear. Right, so they didn't fear right. them because they knew they weren't. So if you read that as a Christian, if you read that as a Christian, you think the fathers didn't fear them because they were on their side, right? Mm -hmm. But when we read it from this perspective, it's that the fathers just didn't accept them as real power. It's interesting because uh, 
as Christians, and there are a lot in Get Aid or the Christians that are listening in Messianics, they they need them to be true. They're like mm. Fox Mulder in in the X Files. They want to believe because they uh, it's because demonic activity is all through the uh, the New Testament, of course. And of course, Jesus casts out you know any you know thousands of demons left, right, and center, and they're all over the place. If you don't have the devil, there's absolutely no need for Jesus at all. You're playing the most you're important. Yeah, most important football character. with one team. Yeah. Playing footy with one team. Now, now, in uh, if we go to another verse, if I may, just uh, Psalm one hundred and six, verse thirty-seven, and here's just another place where this word is used, at least in my English translation. It says, uh, "They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons." And uh, and if I jump back to Deuteronomy again, in verse uh, chapter twelve, verse thirty-one, it says. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates they have done to their, not to demons, but to their gods. For they even burn the sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. And, of course, we know there are no other gods uh, but false gods. And so, therefore, they do not exist. And this seems to be what the Psalms is equating. Is that fair, Tobia? Yeah. The, uh, the opinion of Maimonides, and he had some opponents on this, is that these were completely fake. And there were no demons. Demons didn't exist. Which the passage is clearly conveying. These are not real. No one knows who this is. And they did not cause your fathers to uh, saw room, to become stormed by, to become shaken by, to be nothing. It meant nothing mm -hmm. to them. I, and this is it's just just to weave the music here this is balancing off what is said earlier which you will not find in any any other religion if you want to know the truth ask your father he'll tell you mm. your grandfather they will explain to you there is no other religion that could say look you don't if you want to attest the document go to the people the nation and if your fathers didn't know about it then it's not for me because mm -hmm. we are a nation that passes down from nation nation therefore this is all nonsense and therefore we're going to see the the punishment this is a song in that there's this bouncing there's a, this strong percussion that bounces off of each other mm. that you, you i'm going to punish you with nothings with things that are yeah uh, have no value that's the point. We do we do get to that. And so it continues in 18, of the rock who, who begot you, you are unmindful. You have forgotten the God who fathered you. And when the Lord saw it, he, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. Can we define that word? Is that uh, emunah? Yeah, they didn't, well, the point is that they didn't trust, that's the key point. It's not a word of uh, believing in something based on faith, but rather uh, it, it's really trusting there was no trust in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's low immune, so it's it's like emunah, but n low being no, none. No. Low emun yeah. bum, there was no mm. trust in them. They mm. didn't trust. Now, the, the, is, everything is saying... I took you, look, let's take the con. that's why this is music, because they all fit together, the music all goes together. I took you through the wilderness, I found you in the wilderness, I shielded you like a, like an like a eagle shields her babies, took you, I fed you, and there's also the, not only was I your father, but there's even the language of being your mother, because if you notice, we had earlier, I suckled you through a rock, meaning, 
you were drinking water from a rock, and that that is uh, a very much a, a pa- you know a parallel for mm. a, a mother's breasts uh, suckling her child. So God is saying, I was both your daddy and your mommy, mm-hmm. and you turned. Your- I mean, I was I was a, you know, I was daddy, mommy, everything. I was everything. a source of everything. That's why I said, watch this carefully because. It's up, 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 look what I did for you, and bang, smash, yeah. and what did you do? And therefore, really, I'm, I'm not going to punish you with, I'm going to bring nobodies who are going to squash mm. you. But at the end, of course, we're going to go soar high, and that's where this goes. And we'll get there, and that is we'll that there. one of you will, will destroy a thousand. Uh, verse 21, they have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. Jason. Oh, just have to real quick. It's only a tiny thing, but you've got uh, meaningless idols or foolish idols. Mm. Um, I've got meaningless acts, and sometimes you might find it says vanities. It actually means breaths, that word there. It says, angering me with their, like, vapors, with their nothingness, with their thin air. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, Hevel, it's actually, um, it's a word used by Isaiah, uh, which we actually have in our prayer, Sheheim Mishtachum Lehevel Varik. Hevel means literally emptiness, vanity, and nothingness. Nothingness. Yes, yes. Well, that really just does color it even more. Now, now you mentioned this a little earlier on, uh, Tobia. Uh, provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. If this is not talking about, because this is really at the very end. This is messianic. This is right, right before the. You remember the seventy gogumogog. Mm-hmm. We're now going to have accuracy on the end of days. And we have the chief oppressors of the Jewish people who call themselves a nation, but are really not a nation. They have no history. They're a fake nation. It is similar also, incidentally, to fake Jews. When the Jewish, because they're, I don't want to go too detailed, but the Jews were spread out twice, and it's alluded to in these texts. So there's two fake nations. The first fake nation are these fake Jews, namely the Samaritans who converted for all the wrong reasons became the biggest problems that could be and most people don't realize unless you're a historian you don't realize how or you read the Bible how much of a problem this America they were the chief enemies of the Jews who did not belong in the land of Israel came from a foreign nation and what we're dealing with today the PLO you have Yasser Arafat that one of the founders of the PLO was born in Cairo mm-hmm. I mean he faked his birthplace so that I mean I, look I, I, <laughs> obviously, the, we have, like you said, the very, when you said this, it like went through me, Jono, because it, it's exactly, we can now see things that no one can see except for the God of Israel, and that is, we are persecuted by people saying this is our land, this is our heritage, it's an occupation. Occupation? Jerusalem? Jews are occupying Jerusalem? Are you insane? In, 19, in 1906, the Jews were my father. What nation are you? Where is your Palestinian flag? It's exactly mm-hmm. what we're seeing before our eyes today. It's, I mean, to me, it's like, pow. It's, it's amazing. Uh, for a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the... Now, I've got, Jason, get this. I've got, and it shall burn to the lowest hell. What do you have? Oh, wow. In 22. Um, of, um, lowest depths in one, and then the other one I've got open. 
Um, ooh, into the depths of the Neverworld. Whoa, Toby, what's going on in the Hebrew here? Yes, Vatikad Ad Sheol Tachtis, which means Tachtis means low down, and Sheol means like lower grave, the lowest place. So we've got Sheol, we've got Sheol. Isn't that interesting that they decided to put the, you know, and Sheol burns at the lowest hell, and it shall consume the earth with her increase and set fire. Oh, there you go, because you you have to connect it with the fire in a Christian translation. And set fire, uh, set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disaster on them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents. Now, this, just so you know, there's a switch that happened here. And that is, this is switching now to the enemies of the Jewish people. Uh-huh. This is a theme because there's a this shift happened here. But um, And the shift is very much like you see in Zechariah chapter 1 as an example many times. That means, yes, God used the nations of the world to punish the the children of Israel, but lest they think they're going to get away with it, God is going to destroy them. We see this in Isaiah 54, that ultimately the person who forms the weapons, who is the ironsmith, is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. We see in Zechariah chapter 1, the very famous thing that, you know, I was angry with my people, but you helped to do harm. Very famous, and therefore God's... So therefore, what we have here is just know that uh, that all these nations that God did use to persecute the Jews, they're not walking away from this. They're, they're going to they're going to get it. They're going to be destroyed. So. 25. The sword uh, shall destroy outside. There shall be terror within. And isn't there? For the young man and virgin, the nursing child with the, the man of gray hairs, I would have said uh, I will dash them into pieces. I will make the memory of them to cease um, from among men. Had I not feared the wrath, oh, this is moving. This is right. So this is moving back. But go ahead. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, "Our high, our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who has done all this." What, what is this? Okay, Verse twenty-seven. So I what need to break this all up. So now okay. God is switching back. This is very, the many passages, obviously the end of Leviticus 26. God's saying, look, I really should have wiped the Jews out. It means they, but I can't break my promise. Here we have another, what, what Moses said in the defense of the Jews, which is hard to defend. We talked about this uh, with the golden calf, and that is, if the God is explaining why he didn't utterly de- destroy the Jewish people, this is one of the reasons we find this all over Scripture, and that is that it would have been a desecration of God's name. Because what would the if let's say uh, the Arabs would have destroyed us in any one of these wars, they would not have said the reason why Israel lost the war is because God is punishing them because they didn't keep Shabbos because mm. they didn't feel the thing. They're going to say, you know, why the Jews suffered so much? Because they're, you know, because we're so powerful and we defeated them. Mm. And so, um, you know, so as as Hamas said, start digging your graves. By the way, the word Hamas is mentioned here. Anyways, it's start digging your graves. We're going to bury you if you come into Gaza and so on. So the Torah is saying, God is saying here, He can never allow the Jewish people to ever be destroyed because then His name will be reviled because the enemies are not going to go. 
Now, we have to explain why it's important to God what people say. Is God so sensitive? I don't want people to say bad things about me. That's a separate question, but I need to divide those two points. Mm-hmm. But what it's saying here is I cannot let it be that the nation should say this, this echoes with Moses. Moses saying, if you destroy the Jewish people here because of the gold gift, the world's going to say, the Egyptians are going to say, you brought them out to the wilderness just to destroy them. Now, now the question, of course, is, is, is why would God be so concerned about, well, concerned about what people think? Is God like so sensitive and like, oh, they're going to say bad things about me. I'm not going to get a good thing. So the answer is, of course, is that the whole purpose of the world was created is that man will be able to reach God. Man will be able to encounter the Almighty. And the only way that can happen is that God's name is raised up and then the nations will come to know about the God of Israel. That's the only thing. If that doesn't happen, then this whole thing is purposeless. The whole point is that, that earth and heaven should touch each other, that, that man should recognize God. And therefore, the Jewish people, of course, are preserved because ultimately the Jews are going to convey that message of being a light to the nations. But they struggle. They struggle all the way through. So it says in 28, for they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding that in is, them. They, right. They have, no, they have no way to be able to analyze what just happened. Mm, I apologize. And, I interrupted you. I just, you're right. But no, no, it they, continues they, they on. No, they don't understand. They don't understand. It says, oh, that they were wise that they would understand this that they would consider their letter end how could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the lord had surrendered them for their rock is not like our rock now we're back to israel okay for their rock is not like our rock even our enemies themselves being judges for their vine is the vine of sodom and their fields of gomorrah the grapes the grapes of gall their clusters of bitter and their wine is the poison of serpents the cruel venom of cobras verse 34 is this not laid up in store with me, sealed among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. For the yeah, day of their calamity think, is at yeah. hand, and these things to come hasten upon them. Yeah, did you really think you were going to get away with this? You, know, yeah. you think you can hide your sins from me? This goes into that kind of hidden sin. Right. And it's the hidden sin that's all over Isaiah. It's all over Jeremiah. People who are praying, keeping the new moons, they are fasting on Yom Kippur and so on. So this is all over. But secretly, this it's all deeply damaged. And this is where it begins to change. Verse 36, for the, for the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining, bond or free. He will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. Now, that, that's really saying, you know, those of you who are left that put your faith in other gods, where are they now? That's yeah. what it's saying, right? Where are, yeah, there's nothing that, you know, well, I mean, what will happen is that these people, what happened to them? It's all gone. Mm. It's all nothing. It's emptiness. And here is such a golden verse. Now mm. see that I, even I, am mm. he, and there is no God with me. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh- 
I stood up at Duke University uh, maybe 15 years ago, and I said <laughs> to the students, I, I actually talk about it in my lecture on the Trinity, I said to them, like, if you were God, and you were writing the, I was speaking actually to the Divinity School, it was the Methodist Divinity School, and if you were God and you wanted to forever ensure that no one would ever believe in the Trinity, what would you put in there? So they mm -hmm. said, I'm the only one, there's no one else besides me. That's exactly, I mean, here, I mean, what a statement. And this is the lie, this is the lie that is is advanced by, leave it to Jews for Jesus. It, it, you know, if the Southern Baptists didn't have the messianics around them, they would never do this kind of garbage. I think they have more brains than this. But they say, Maimonides changed the word. It says, Echad, and he made it Yachid. Well, he's not saying he's quoting Deuteronomy 6. That's exactly what it's saying. There's no one else besides me. I'm alone. It's me. No one could take from my hand. No one. I am the healer. I am the only one. There is nothing besides me. I am the only source of power. Ain Elohim Imadi. That's very important. Ain Elohim Imadi, which means there is no power or no God with me. Mm. Nothing. There is no Nothing. other person. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, when I went my glittered sword and take my hand and, and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour, devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Wow. Now, yeah. here we are knocking yeah. on, this on is the... Very, I'm just going to say Isaiah 49, uh, 15, 16, and I'm not going to say anything. Well, we, I don't, we don't have to go there. For those of you who see that God is raising his hands to all the nations of the world, he inscribes Israel's names on his palms. But mm. continue. Go ahead. Here's another uh, very curious verse, Tobia. It says, uh, this is uh, Deuteronomy 32, 43. Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. Now, just the yeah, first this line. This is end times. This is, of course, end times. This is, this, is, this is all messianic. I mean, what's going to happen is finally when the ultimate redemption happens, the, the key of why Jeremiah and Isaiah says that the Exodus will will not, no one even talk about the Exodus in the Messianic age, it's not that the third temple is so glorious, but because the world will be redeemed, when, when that occurs, the whole the nations are going to see. And this is what Isaiah 53 is, the confessions of the nations. They're gonna, that's why the, this is all the servant songs. Isaiah is like, this is like Isaiah has two drips going on <laughs> in each arm as he's writing all the servant songs. That When this takes place, then the world will see that Israel is completely redeemed, restored to its complete glory, and they'll see that those who are the enemies of Israel will be completely destroyed, mm -hmm. and then the nations, those who survive, what will they do? They're going to praise Hashem, praise His people. This is uh, it's just, an interesting, it is, it's beautiful, but this is a, one of those curious verses, rejoice, O, o nations, with His people. Now, uh, it, it's argued that the uh, there's a Dead Sea Scroll uh, fragment that adds, let all the gods or angels worship Him, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier, uh, Tobia. Also, uh, the Greek translations that uh, concur, of course, with what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 says. And of course it does, because Paul only quotes from the Greek. 
Uh, and Hebrews 6, 1 says, let all the angels of God worship him. But what we have in the Masoretic text, what we have in the Hebrew is, let all the nations uh, rejoice, O nations, with his people. Well, I've got a couple of different things going on. I've got some that say, let the tribes of his nation sing praise. Um, but um, more the one I'm kind of leaning towards is sing aloud, all you nations, of his people. So the nations have, um, as Toby said, have seen what's happened to Israel, and they're singing, praising um, God for what's happened to Israel. I like to think that these are the nations that have said, uh, we're on Israel's side, right? They've signed up. Oh, of course, said, um, of course. Yeah. This is Zechariah 13, verse 9. And ten, I mean, Eight and nine. That's exactly what's happening here. One, by the way, one thing an announ- just the, of people you know, people use the word Septuagint, but that word is genericized. Mm. We, we, the, the actual real Septuagint, nobody has it. If you do happen to have one, you're a billionaire. No one has it. Was destroyed. Mm. Every, what what happens subsequently is that just like now we say, could you Xerox this? Pass me a Kleenex. Any Greek translation, and there are hundreds of them created, would be called the name Septuagint. This is not the original that's Septuagint. Not the Septuagint. It's very, that's, that's it. a very important thing. No one has Septuagint. If they do, <laughs> they should immediately go to Christie's and have it sold. Because <laughs> no one does. It burned down on a fire. Now, here's a, another curious verse, Toby. It says, now, now, the, now the song is finished, but the uh, portion continues on. It says, so Moses came with Hosea bin Nun. Now, right. why is he all of a sudden Hosea? Right. So, just to explain is that is that um, Moses previously had already added a letter to Hosea, to Hosea's name, making Yoshua. And in fact, we see the name Yoshua. We're going incidentally going back to uh, uh, Numbers chapter 13, I mm-hmm. think it's verse 16 or 17. But that was done in private. And that's the difference. The people, this is a speech before the entire nation. And we're going to see in a moment that Moses is now going to go to die in the middle of the day in front of everyone, and the nations almost try to stop this. But the nation doesn't know about this new name. They wouldn't be able to identify it. So it's very important to Moses to convey to now a massive audience, not just his elders that he anointed, that look, when I'm, this is the person, he is the one. And Yehoshua, or Hoshea as he's called here, because it's in in such a public, uh, it's a public event, Yehoshua is going to be enormously successful to the point, Mm. I'll, I'll say this, that it always struck me, and the Bible says this, that basically during the days of Joshua, Joshua lived to be 110 years old, the Jews were pretty much always faithful. I mean, we see in the book of Joshua some problem here and there, but it says it in Judges 2 verse 7, it says explicitly that during Joshua's lifetime, the Jewish people were with God. And Mm. make no mistake about that. Joshua was completely... Um, uh, umbilically connected to Moses, but he was just an extraordinary person. The people connected to him, followed him as they did Moses, but they really didn't rebel against him very much at all. He was, you know, when he spoke, you don't have the fighting back as they did with Moses. So therefore, the nation had to know. It had. This is clear. Moses is about to die. They had to know, this is who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Here he is. He's next to me. You know him as Hosea Ben-Nun. And that's why here he's called Hosea 
Benun. A little earlier on, where it's a narrative, he's called Yehoshua, the name that Moses gave him. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if Tovia mentioned the, the verse, but um, if you look at Numbers 13, 16, if he did, then cut this out. But <laughs> if he didn't, like, sometimes uh, um, my brain is trying to catch up with everything Tovia says so I can understand. Um, but um, uh, Numbers um, 13, 16 literally says, These are the names of the men Moses sent in to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, a new name, um, Yeshua. That's the um, commentary on the end of that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. Thank you for that. Moses finished speaking all these words to Israel, and he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law, for it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by mm. this word, you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. I, I love it whenever it says that, because we, we read only, uh, uh, what is the Torah portion ago, uh, where God says that he is your life, O Israel. And here, again, it also says in regards to the commandments, it is your life by mm. which you will prolong your days in the land. Then it says... Uh, can, can I take a second on that just quickly? Please, please. Right, so um, it's not a futile thing in that it, it's, not a, it's not an easy or a simple thing. It's not something you can just shrug off. And so um, I, mean, I, have, I had a conversation with someone recently that said, um, what did they say? They said a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, referring to a conversation we were having about looking up the... He- just you know, simply, if you've got no understanding of Hebrew, you can go and have a look at what the Hebrew word is, see how that's used everywhere else, and then have a look at how it's used in your verse and see if contextually it's the same. Some, something simple like that, baby steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and the argument was a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. But we're told in the text, and I find it kind of interesting, that the, the, the Torah isn't hard, right? That it's mm. um, not something we have to reach out for. We don't have to get anyone to get it for us. It's something we can hear and mm-hmm. understand. Um, that God doesn't see, um, speak in code, that there's no great mystery to be unraveled before you can understand it. And I mean, we're entering mm. the Shemitah year. Uh, every seven years, the, the Torah would have been read to the congregation, um, regardless of um, their age and their station, right? Anyone that lived in within the, the boundaries of Israel would hear and understand that Torah. They wouldn't be there going, what does he mean? I mean they'd, <laughs> they'd know, right? You, you keep you keep the Shabbat, you don't eat this, right. you do eat that, you look after your, you know, the simple. Um, but in this verse, it says that it's not this simple thing to shrug off. And I just wanted to emphasize that what it's saying is not that it's um, a difficult thing to do, but it's an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's not like remembering to keep, you know, to lock your door when you leave your house. It's remembering the importance of having a lock. And I, I just wanted to make sure that people didn't think that, although it says it's, a, it's not a futile thing, that it's a super uh, difficult thing to do. It's not difficult. It's just important. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, it's important to draw that boundary between the two things. Excellent. Thank you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day saying, go up this mountain, the Avarim, Mount Nebo, right? And Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho, view the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as a possession. Ah, oh, it's so hard. And yeah. die on the mountain which you ascend and be gathered to your people, just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor. And was gathered to his people because you transgressed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of sin because you did not hallow me. 
in the midst of the children of Israel, yet you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. I, I tell you, Tovia really just does end on such a low note. I mean, are we to be happy for Moses that he can at least see the land before he passes on? It's um, It just really does leave it on a low note for me. Well, uh, you see that Moses knew this was all happening, and you can see the strength in Moses' voice, and that you know after he tried to go into the land of Israel, not because he just wanted to see Tel Aviv, but he wanted to go to perform the mitzvot there. And but the key was that the nation has to be successful, and that this goes back to what we dis- we discussed a few times earlier, and that is that Moses, there were opportunities where Moses could have shown done, his leadership could have been greater, and God's name could have been praised. And that means that the nation could have been more successful. As it turns out, the, the famous passage in, in Judges uh, at the, you know, after you know, recalling Joshua's life is Joshua was an enormously successful leader. Mm. You know, Joshua is, is is really quite a perfected individual. Mm. That is the way, uh, nevertheless, our Torah portion ends. And it's as if we're done with Moses, but in fact, we're not. Uh, the next time we get together and our final Torah portion, uh, we do have the blessing, the Moses' final blessing on Israel. And that is fascinating. Mm. Absolutely mm. fascinating. We'll be getting to that. Uh, now, just explain again, Tavia, when is this read, uh, this final? Uh, this is read on Simchas Torah. This is read on the eighth. In in exile, it's <laughs> in diaspora. It's read on the eighth day of Sukkot. I mean, it, it's, the end of it's on the, at the end of Sukkot on the eighth okay. day, and that's yeah. that's when uh, we'll we'll be getting back together. Uh, Jason, final thoughts. I just want to um, remind everyone that we're in Israel in five weeks. Five weeks, um, and five that weeks. Uh, if so, if you're not coming with us, we're going to be setting some. Um, things up in place where you can kind of because I mean I'm going to kind of um, photograph and record as much as is possible John is going to be recording a lot of the audio um, most of that is going to become available when we get back but da- daily I will be making updates so find me on Facebook um, uh, because I, I will in the next couple of weeks I'll be issuing um, Tumblr accounts and other accounts where the, where some audio and photography and video will be getting uploaded while we're away. Really? So um, I'm setting it up now so it's ready to go. Before, you know, I don't want to have to rush in the last week. So if you want to sign up to see what we're getting up to and to hear what um, we're hearing and see what we're seeing, um, then come and find me on Facebook now. I will put a link on this post. Thank you, Jason, spiritual babies of spiritualbabies.net, Rabbi Tobia Singer of outreachjudaism.org, where you can get a copy of Let's Get Biblical, Why Doesn't Judaism uh, Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah Volumes 1 and 2. And don't forget, of course, tobiasinger.tv, where you can find all of his videos on one site, tobiasinger.tv. Thank you, my friends. And until next time, dear listeners, be blessed. Be set apart by the truth of our Father's Word. Shalom. Shalom.